Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. So I actually have a title for my message this morning as I was thinking about Christmas and um, the day today and one of the big things in our family is that we always talk about this being Jesus' birthday. It's not exactly the day, but it's the day that we choose to honor his birth. And, uh, and um, as I was raising my children, um, as Wade and I were uh, trying to figure out the right course and the right path and how much of Christmas do you embrace and what does that all look like, you know, kind of the secular piece of it and, and the God piece and how does it all blend together. And so we just kind of adopted this is Jesus' birthday and isn't, isn't a gift that he was given to us and in turn then we give gifts as well. We get to receive gifts on Jesus' birthday. And so that's always just kind of been what, uh, what we clung to in our home. And, uh, and he really is a gift to us. And uh, Jesus uh, was sent here as a Savior, as the Messiah. And uh, Messiah actually means the promised deliverer. And I think that's beautiful, that he was the promised deliverer. And so my message this morning would be titled, The God of Promises, the Messiah. I'm just having a moment of revelation for myself because... Uh, because God gave me that title, and when he gave it to me, I didn't know that Messiah meant the promised deliverer. And there it is, the God of promises. So I want to read a passage of scripture to you out of Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 40. It's a bit of a lengthy passage, but it tells the story of Anna and Simeon. And uh, I find it to be, um, those two are just sticking out in my spirit. I believe that's what God wants to bring forth today. He wants to show us some revelation in that. And so I pray that I can uh, deliver it in a way that it brings life to you, that it is rhema, that it's revelation. So I'm going to be reading it out of the Passion Translation, just because I feel like it gives good explanation of the passage of Scripture. And you can just follow along in whatever version you have, or I believe it'll be on the screen. So in Luke chapter 2, this would be after Jesus has been born, but the uh, Magi have yet to reach him. It says, on the day of the baby's circumcision ceremony, eight days after his birth, his parents gave him the name Jesus, the name prophesied by the angel before he was born. Here's just a little tidbit for those teachers in the room that like to know a really interesting little information. If you know anything about babies after they're born, the reason that they waited eight days was because that was a command of God. But even babies that are born today that are going to be circumcised, they give them um, a shot so that when they're circumcised, they won't um, bleed excessively. And so the blood doesn't begin to clot until about eight days. And so in Jewish customs, this was set up. Uh, by God so that when circumcision was done, the babies would be safe. Isn't that interesting? So it was time for that to happen with Jesus. And so verse 22 says, 40 days after the birth of her son, Mary's time of purification had completed. So she came to the temple with a sacrifice according to the law of Moses. She was honoring the laws. So Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to Jerusalem to be dedicated before the Lord. For it is stated in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be set apart for God. 
just as we are set apart. That means marked. And is required to offer a, pr a prescribed sacrifice, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. As they came to the temple to fulfill their requirements, an elderly woman was there waiting, a resident of Jerusalem, who's an, uh, an elderly man, sorry, whose name was Simeon. He was, a, uh, he was a very good man, a lover of God who kept himself pure. The spirit of holiness rested upon him. Simeon believed in the imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel, or also the encourager of Israel. And the name Jesus can be translated into those. For the Holy Spirit had revealed to him, Simeon's name means he who hears. Is that really interesting? So the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he saw the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one of God. Keeping his promise, the Holy Spirit led Simeon to be in the temple court at the very moment Jesus' parents entered to fulfill the requirements of the sacrifice. Simeon cradled the baby in his arms and praised God and prophesied. Verse 29, Lord and Master, I am your loving servant, and now I can die content. For you have fulfilled your promise to me. With my own eyes I have seen your word the Savior you sent into the world. He will, he will be glory for your people Israel and the revelation light for all people everywhere. Mary and Joseph stood there awestruck over what was being said about their baby. Simeon then blessed them and prophesied over Mary, saying, A painful sword will one day pierce your inner being, for your child will be rejected by many in Israel. And the destiny of your child is this, he will be laid down as a miracle sign for the downfall and the resurrection of many in Israel. Many will oppose this sign, but it will expose to all the innermost thoughts of their hearts before God. There it was being set into place again. It was being confirmed as it had been in Isaiah in the Old Testament that Jesus was coming to save the world, that he would be the sacrifice. A prophetess named Anna was also in the temple court that day. She was from the tribe of Asher, the daughter of Phanael. Anna was an aged widow who had been married only seven years before her husband passed away. After he died, she chose to worship God in the temple continually. For the past 84 years, she had been serving God with night and day prayer and fasting. While Simeon was prophesying over Mary and Joseph and the baby, Anna walked up to them and burst forth with a great chorus of praise to God for the child. For that day forward, she told everyone in Jerusalem who was waiting for their redemption that the anticipated Messiah had come. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required of them by the law of the Lord, they took Jesus and returned to their home in Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew more powerful in grace, for he was being filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So I think the couple of things that have really stood out to me about these two particular people, Simeon and Anna, is that, um, that they were aware of the promise. They were aware that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming. 
the one thing about Simeon that I found really interesting that as in the beginning of this passage, as it begins to describe who he was, it says that, um, that he was found uh, faithful and that he was pure and that he had been faithful to God. And so I find the really cool thing about Simeon is that he was so close to the Lord that he was also in Jerusalem at the temple, that he was aware enough of the promise that, um, that he had been looking upon God enough to know that it was time to go to the temple. There's an awareness that we need to have in ourselves as we kind of uh, look at our, our own situation, our own circumstances, and, and where we're at, that God desires to speak to us, and he wants us to become aware of him, much like Simeon was aware that Jesus had walked into the room um, as a baby, and that he had enough awareness about who God was, that a closeness to God, enough to know that Jesus was there. And I think that's, that speaks heavily to me because there was a maturity about Simeon that he didn't miss the Messiah, but he was aware that he was there. They would not have been the only people at the temple. The temple was a busy place. There, were lot, there was lots of activity going on. And Mary and Joseph, they were just fulfilling the law and the command of what needed to happen during that time. And here is Simeon recognizing when Jesus was there. And he had enough about him that he walked over and was able to bless the child. He knew that the promise that God had made him was being fulfilled in that moment, which is really beautiful and so amazing. And the Bible is full of promises for us. In 2 Corinthians, verse 1, I mean, chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. And he has never been both a, uh, and he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes. For all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. And as his yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring him glory. So, you know, we sing that song, we say a lot that, you know, all of God's promises are yes and amen, and they, his promises are yes. He is saying, I will fulfill my promise. There is a yes on the fulfillment of the promise. But this passage of scripture in this particular version breaks it down enough to tell me that my amen ascends to God. I have to connect with that. I have to connect with the yes. God is saying yes, but I need to grab a hold of that promise, and I need to attach my amen. Amen uh, means so be it. So when he gives us a promise and he says, I'm going to heal your land, I'm going to give you this territory, he says, yes, I'm going to do that. And you say, so be it. Amen. Amen. So I think today what I want to show you is that with Anna and Simeon, they both knew of the promise. And we all have promises. For one, this book right here is full of promises. And we need to attach our amen to those. We need to at attach our so be it. There are promises in our own life that God has spoken for us personally. Those rhema words that we talk about. Those things that he's given us and shown us in the words that he has spoken. That he wants us to attach our amen to. Our so be it. That it will be. Because he has already sent the Messiah, the promised one. He fulfilled his promise. He said, yes, I'll send a Savior to save you. 
in Isaiah over and over in the Old Testament. Isaiah 7, verse 10 through 16. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 61, all told of the coming Messiah. The Messiah was coming. And it was some time before he actually showed up. But there was a promise and a fulfillment on that, that it was bound to happen. I love the story of Anna when we look at uh, the part about Anna in, the, uh, in Luke. It says that a prophetess named Anna was in the temple court that day. She was from the tribe of Asher, uh, the daughter of Phanel. And it goes on to say that she spent the rest of her time in the presence of God after her husband had passed as she was a widow. That she chose to worship God in the temple continually for 84 years. She had been serving God night and day prayer with prayer and fasting in verse 37. I think there's a real significance in us grabbing a hold of the promises. And the only way that we're going to be able to grab a hold of the promises and believe what God has spoken, spoken to us and through his word is if we're spending time with him. It may, we are the temple of God, right? New Testament, we house the temple. Uh, we are the temple. We house the presence of God within us. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And there are promises that, that are in his word that he is saying, if you will commune with me, then I will reveal myself to you, that your promises are yes. And if you'll attach your so be it to that, your amen to it, you'll begin to see the fulfillment of those promises. And we'll recognize when those promises are, are about to be fulfilled, just as Anna and Simeon. There was an intimacy that they had. There was a familiarity, and not in a bad way, because sometimes, you know, people that we're in relationship with, we can become so familiar with them that we take them for granted. Does that ever happen in your house? Yeah, it happens, right? It's just, it's what happens to us. But there's this... Um, Wonder and majesty that I believe brings us, that continues to draw us back to God and back to his presence. You know, and there's a hunger inside of us that, that as we've tasted and seen that he's good, Ken, we just want to keep coming back for more and more of that. And I believe that Anna's life shows that. She didn't want to be away from the temple. She wanted to be there to worship God. She wanted to be there. She was waiting on the promised Messiah. She knew that he was supposed to come. She had heard all the prophecies because she was a Jewish woman. So she would have been well aware of the Old Testament prophecies. She would have been well aware of everything that Isaiah had said. And she knew that he was coming. And she recognized when he walked into the room as a baby. That's where I want to be, right? That we recognize when the promise walks in the room. And I believe that looks different, you know, for all of us. I can't help but think about Jeremiah 29, 11, which is so overquoted. But it says, for I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And we can just say that really simply, but when you really think about it, there's a promise attached to that. There's a promise attached. And if you read the previous story, you know, those people had not been in a really fruitful season in their life. They had been uh, in bondage and they had been fighting and, and they were enslaved people. And here God comes on the scene and he says, hey, my plan is not to destroy you, but to give you a hope and a future. That's the promise. And they're probably looking at their circumstances, the natural, and saying, well, I don't see it. They could have said that. 
you know, but instead it was a promise that God attached to that situation and that circumstance in their life and where they were at. And he was saying, I have a promise. And no matter what it looks like right now, my promise is to prosper you and not harm you. And so I think for us, it's us making a decision and a choice. Am I going to attach my amen to that? If all of his promises are yes, then I have to attach my amen. I have to attach my amen to it. And so today, as I think about the promised Messiah and Jesus coming and what he, he paid for for us, and, um, you know, and, and, uh, and if you read kind of the history, you know, Mary and Joseph would not have been wealthy at that time. The Magi had not come to visit them yet. They had not received all the gifts. And so it's, they had a meager offering to take to the temple that day. They had Jesus but they went to the temple still with their meager offering. You know? But there was an assignment on Simeon and Anna's life that day to encounter the promised one, the one that they had been waiting for and looking for. And so I just believe in this um, Christmas season that, uh, that Simeon and Anna are the ones that we uh, can, can learn from, or at least I am this year. And that is I want to... Be aware when Jesus walks into the room. And I want to grab a hold of all the promises that he has for me, for my family, for this region, for our territory, for this world, right? And so I can choose to not see God. I can choose to not look at that. And I can turn my eyes towards all the things that are going on around me. And I can lose sight of the promises. And I detach my amen from those things. Or I can connect to what I know that God wants to, what he has spoken, what he has promised. And so I think if this morning, if you feel like there are promises that maybe you have uh, let go of or you haven't um, seen the fulfillment of those, I believe he's saying yes this morning because that's what the scripture says. And if you'll attach that amen to it and hang on in faith of knowing that the promised Messiah, that the answer, the promise is going to be fulfilled. He is faithful and just to do just what he said that he would do to fulfill the promises that he said that he, will, he wanted to fulfill. Also, you know, um, Simeon, they don't say that he was a priest or of the Levite tribe or anything like that. He was just an, an older man in the temple that day. And so I think for us individually, sometimes we think that we have to be of some caliber of person in order to receive all those promises. And we don't. We don't. He sees us as uh, worthy to receive. He would not have sent his son, the, the promised one. He sent, he sent them for all of us. It, in Isaiah, when it describes what Jesus will uh, look like when he gets here, it calls him common. Common, nothing special about the way he looked. Isn't that hard to think about? That he would have been common and nothing special. And yet he was the Messiah, the promised one. And so don't count yourself out. Don't count yourself out because of any kind of limitation that you think that, that your life brings. Because he has promises all written in this word for you. 
And not only just in this word, but he has new promises and new revelation and things that he has spoken over your life and over your family. And so today I believe there's a renewal in the spirit and a renewal in the atmosphere for you to connect back with those promises that he has for you. So I, would y'all come up and get ready? So I, we have a spoken word. Um, Sophie and Brittany are going to do a spoken word. Um, and I just want you to, do y'all want me to move this? I'll just close this. Okay. So just listen, let this minister to you. Why? Why? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why forsake majesty and fellowship of heaven? Exchanging a palace for a stable. Immortal comforts for a feeding trough. And robes of glory for the feeble body of an infant. An unparalleled irony. This supreme, unrivaled nobility experiencing absolute and total humility. Our sovereign God, Emmanuel, as a baby. He didn't come to heap shame upon sinners or to judge and cast out the impious, but to break bread with those called unrighteous. He didn't come to illuminate every mystery of the cosmos or to enlighten the intellectual, but to fulfill the testimony of prophets clothed in rags. He didn't come to elevate a single nation or to advocate a particular political affiliation. He came because he saw you, broken in need of salvation. He saw you, lost and abandoned, crying out, surrounded by deaf ears, fighting through the tears, but beaten down by the torments of this world. And unable to bear your distress, he renounced his eternal throne. He walked the earth, bore the stripes, accepted the nails, and gave up his last breath so that you could receive the breath of life. Our God, our holy, infinite God, beheld your pain, perceived your heart, and he determined that your soul was worth dying for. From the manger to the cross to the empty tomb. It is all a story of profound love, of a savior who rescued his children from darkness. Of a blameless king who declared that no sacrifice was too great for the sake of his beloved creation. Why did Jesus come to earth? He He came came for you. you. So will you stand with me? He did come for you. He totally came for you. And if if you were the only one 
on this earth, he would have still come. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And it's true. It's not just something that's written in the pages of a book. But he truly came. He was, he is the Messiah, the promised one. And so while many of us are here and we're family and we're connected with God, I think there are some of us that need to make that rededication moment of attaching our amen to the promised one. And that takes many shapes and many forms. For some of us, it's just grabbing a hold of the promises that he's already spoken over our lives. And that we live in less than land instead of living in the land of promise. That we find ourselves stuck in the wilderness and not having yet made it ascending with God. Because that's where he really wants us to reign with him. And then for some of you, it may be that you've lost your connection with the Messiah this Christmas. And through this season, and you feel distant from the promised one. And I believe there too, he's just looking for an amen this morning. A so be it moment. Where we just get to connect again to the promised one. Can you just close your eyes? And let's just look at him for a minute. Nothing special, nothing ordinary sent to this earth as a baby to save the world who became and was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A carpenter by trade but yet he embodied heaven inside of him. And he walked this earth, fulfilling the promises of the Old Testament, bringing forth redemption and reconciliation on the world. A promise. A promise. The promised one. He came to save the lost. He came to save the world. He came to save you. And he didn't just come for you to say a prayer, but he came for you to live a life full of promise and purpose and destiny. So on this, on the eve of Christmas week, all your promises, Father, are yes, and we say amen. While you have your eyes closed. know about you, but I've been in a season where I've learned to just really enjoy looking at him. Because he's so good, of, so full of goodness and grace and mercy and love. Love really did come down. And it left its mark. 
He left his mark. So this isn't a a sad or somber moment. It's not even a moment of, uh, I don't, regret or condemnation, but it really is a moment just saturated in love. Just recognizing how incredibly faithful and just and merciful he is. That even when we can't see the fulfillment of the promise on our life, he says yes. He says yes. I feel him so near to us this morning in a, um, in a very tender way. In a way of just, in a return. And maybe it's a return of an understanding, of a, of a distance that you've allowed to come between you and, and the Messiah, the promised one. And he's just wanting us to draw nearer to him. Like Anna and Simeon, that they were in fellowship enough with him that they recognized who they were in the presence of. And I also want to let somebody know that he does have a hope and a future for you. That his promises and his plans are of good and not to harm you. And that while you may struggle to see the good in your own situation, in your own circumstances, that's, he looks at you and he sees son and daughter because he sent his son the Messiah the promised one If I could pick one for you, it'd be all your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. But I can't think of the verses. But it's true, right? All of his promises are yes and amen. And so I'm going to have Lucas or Katie, if you want to come up. Y'all just want to sing a chorus. And can we just pray? I mean, we're going to eat after this and we're going to fellowship. But I just don't want us to miss the moment of the promised one. And we've got a couple, another little treat to come. It's not over. It's not over. But I just want us to remember. I want us to attach our yes, uh, his yes with our amen today on your life, on your life this morning. And to remember the Messiah. And so as he does this, if you just look at him, I have a sign in my home and it says, I want to see you rightly, Jesus. Because I feel like if I can see him rightly, then all the rest of it will come together. Right? And I just want to seek him. So as we sing this.
whatever we're about to sing. <laughs> it's going to be good because they're good. Can you just meditate just for a minute on the goodness of the Father? And let's recognize, let's uh, recommit to coming into communion with Him and recommit to the promise, to the promise, the Messiah this morning. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.